Howdy folks, welcome to Decoded by Threadle. I'm your host Sharath. Today I have a very, very exciting uh, CX in front of me. I've been researching on, on him and big shout out to Support Driven Community for feeding guests on, on our show for the next few weeks. It's been amazing. Uh, the community, uh, Scott has built an amazing community there. The leaders, the people are fantastic, phenomenal. But without further ado, I want to introduce to you all, uh, Greg Stoss. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? I am great today. Better than the weather. We got some some hail coming down right now, which is unseasonal for us here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, for folks who doesn't know about Greg, let, let let me give you guys like a brief intro. Greg is a director of CX Transformation Delivery at Partner Hero, and he has an exceptional background in software engineer, uh, and he's pretty much recognized for driving exceptional customer experiences across the globe. That is something that I'm very fascinated about, your experience working in 30 plus countries, and uh, he's he has this thought leadership uh, insightful uh, writings on various customer-facing software companies, directing successful outsourcing, outsourcing strategies, and implementing cross-functional solutions to accelerate growth. I love I love the way you kind of touch on every aspect of you know a, a startup or a company building, and uh, pr- predominantly he's he's an expert in cultural setting cultural expectations, business processes and scaling global teams in customer uh, experience uh, zone. So also he's, he's a podcast host. He worked previously at Shopify and which, which we want to cover about, you know, all things in the episode, but right off the bat, I'm very curious. I think what your title is uh, very unique director of CX transformation delivery. It's, it's not like your, usual title right so i would love to hear from you about your role as as you know what you do at partner hero in your day-to-day you know your involvement in the company absolutely well thanks for that glowing glowing introduction i it's a lot to live up to in the next uh, next little part of the conversation <laughs> but um yeah so director of cx transformation delivery so what does that mean what we what we realized uh, about you know, a few a few months, if not more than a year ago, was this idea that CX we, so partner here was traditionally an outsourcing organization, and what we realized is that outsourcing is changing. Right, that outsourcing used to be uh, this idea of of putting butts in seats and and having people work different time zones or for cheaper or some of the some of the connotations that that might come along with outsourcing. And what we realized is that what what our clients were actually looking for mm. was someone who could be a trusted partner and advisor to, to go along on the, on the CX journey with them. And so we, we started this idea that what if we just became a CX services provider and some of those services might be outsourcing, maybe they're not, but we mm. provide services across kind of the CX landscape. So we have, we do have outsourcing, so we can supply some people to, to be to staff your, your support department. We have right. workforce management services. We have ticket QA services. And then uh, we have some product services that we're, we're releasing um, to, to help the support uh, the product ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, we have what, what we call CX transformation. And CX transformation is this idea that um, we can help you consult, uh, implement, and administer all of your various CX tools. So my team offers things like managed help desk. We will come in, audit uh, your help desk, understand your workflows and and build those workflows for you. We will build your conversational AI bot for you uh, on on your behalf and manage that and add to it and monitor it for uh, hallucinations or or things that aren't being answered correctly and and fix those for you. Uh, We will write your help desk or sorry, help center articles and, and build out that that strategy for you. We'll manage your IVR system and make mm. sure your customers are getting to the right agents at the right time and routed correctly. But mm. all of these are services that we uh, have put together with the idea that you may or may not want outsourcing, but many companies don't know where to start when it comes to CX. And so mm. the team I lead is the, the team that delivers those services to our, our clients. 
um, as a partner and a trusted advisor to them. Mm. It's very interesting uh, and also a little complex in my opinion that every company has its own tech stack or the way of uh, the way they, they operate a company, right? And they have certain philosophy of uh, viewing customers. So how do you cater their requirements? Like, how do you suggest that, hey, this is like a perfect stack. When you do auditing, uh, what is the process looks like? You know, how do Partner Hero plays a role in, you know, when, yeah. when they, uh, you know, kind of accept a client and deliver like, okay, this is like a perfect solution. Yeah, it's, I think the most, the most difficult part is understanding the business, right? right? CX, all of customer experience is really about understanding what your business proposition is. What is the value your business is providing and, and what do your customers expect from you? You know, is it, mm-hmm. what is your demographic? Who do, who do you sell to? Um, mm. Ari, when's your busy period? You know, we, we're in coming into the holiday season with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, Christmas, right. et cetera. And, and so we know that there's going to be e-commerce businesses that need to ramp up and staff mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and be able to handle a volume that may not happen in the middle of July, for example. Mm. Um, and so we really have three. The first and foremost is understanding our client themselves, like understanding the business. What do you sell? Who do you sell to? And, and those basic questions of just understanding the business. Mm. Once we understand the business a bit more, and, and obviously we'll, we'll almost never be experts. I have a, a bit, bit of background in software companies. That's where most of my, my experience is. Um, but right. I, as you noted, I live, work at Shopify, so I do have a, a experience in, in e-commerce. Um, and we do have other people in the company that are familiar with, say, healthcare or gaming or the other, other industries we, we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do try to also have people with some level of expertise involved in these conversations. But once we understand the business, we, we have three levels of audit, really. Uh, we have some automated tooling that does audits uh, just by checking various flags and settings and, and things about your help desk or your tool to make mm-hmm. sure that those uh, those real basic checks are uh, are fine. And, and, and things like, are you using all the licenses you've paid for? Uh, mm-hmm. Are your when was the last time people have logged in, or when was the last time a macro has been used? When was the last time a trigger has fired? Just those real basic things that a help desk has, where you can go in and say, hmm, "This trigger isn't fired in in six months. Should it be firing?" And you just didn't know it wasn't firing, or is it a useless trigger that we can delete? And uh, and and because that process is no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. Things things like that. We then have uh, what I call uh, the shadow audit. And the shadow audit is 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 quite literally looking over someone's shoulder and understanding the various workflows and processes that 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 they they go through. And this mm. is this is actually my favorite part of the audit, if I'm honest, because this is the part where you really get to understand not only the the customers and the questions they're asking and the verbiage they're using and and all of that, but you get to see the tech stack as you noted. Every customer has a different tech stack, mm-hmm. and you see some you see you start to see patterns in that. I may not know every single um, uh, fulfillment tool that exists in the world. But I certainly understand how a fulfillment tool should be integrated into your help desk system or into a workflow. And when I see some crazy things like copying and pasting or screenshotting data, um, uh, you know, things like that, that, that take uh, extra time and you're not using the proper integration technologies to, to make Mm. these things more efficient. It's easy for me to point at that and say, no, you're not being you're not being efficient with mm. your, your agent's productivity. Mm. Um, and so that's something we usually do depending on the scope of the client. Uh, we might do this across you know, two, five, ten different uh, agents. If you have different tiers, we'll shadow different tiers. But the idea is we sit and look over your shoulder, understand your tech stack, understand all your workflows and processes, and just really get a, an idea of how your agents work day to day. And then the third, uh, the third uh, is what we call just the CX audit overall, and that mm. is an audit of of the ecosystem that surrounds your customer support and 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 your CX in general. For example, how accessible is your knowledge base, or do you have one? Um, uh, is is support listed somewhere on your website? How clear is it how to contact support? When you contact support, what channels do you offer, and are those channels available? And is it clear when they're available? You know, time, you know, time. Uh, 
time zone wise or 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 uh, even even just time of day wise things like that we look at your web page we look at your help center we look at um we look at your faqs we look at anything that's related to the support experience and uh and and then and try to give a high level cx guidance on hey you know mm. e-commerce companies do really well when they have uh, a self help section or or a shipping uh, a shipping and refunds page or or things like right. that that most customers would would expect from from certain places and we can start mm-hmm. to tie best practices together mm-hmm. and that's really just that's the start right that's where we start with most of our clients is that high level audit and then it goes into more of the you know what do you want it to do what's the next step for you um we implement that and then of course as i said we we do ongoing administration of these tools and that's true for help desk mm-hmm. chatbots phone etc and uh i'm just curious when you deal with a wide variety of companies you know spread across different different industries how do you uh, measure the success rate and sell that success rate to someone else like take <laughs> take the like you 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 suggested a tech stack or you suggested certain processes uh for an e-commerce company and it worked really well they upped their customer you know this the csat scores like you know skyrocketing and all that how do you take that and sell to someone else and vice versa like same same yeah. thing applies for you know things go wrong salt that's the secret sauce isn't it right i mean it's um <laughs> social proof is very important uh oh. both from you know demonstrating what you just suggested as well as as being able to have your case studies have your uh being able to send you know for example chatbots a great example people always mm. want to say to us Oh, well, you do chatbots. Send us an example of one of your chatbots and we'll go in and play with it and see how good it is. You know, how do we feel about it? Um, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, I'm I'm not on the on the sales and marketing side of the business, and there's a good reason for that because I'm I'm not a good sales and marketer. But the mm. uh really the big thing for us, I think, is to act in that trusted way. Like show we we like to work in a in a value add mode where we are always trying to show our value through our expertise. Partner mm-hmm. Hero has uh, more than 250 clients. Uh, we've been in business for for eight years. We uh, we work across all sorts of industries across the globe, um, mm-hmm. supporting clients from as small as one or two uh, agents up to a hundred plus. Um, wow. And I think that all really one thing that that I strive for is just to show that expertise, show that understanding and, and, and show and, and help people understand that they're not alone in these. When someone says to me, I'd like a report that does this. I say, mm-hmm. yep. You know, we, every one of our clients wants that. And, and we were able to build that for you because we have that expertise. We understand the use case. So mm-hmm. I, um, I, how do we actually demonstrate it? Usually just by doing a, the way we talk to clients and then and then using case studies and, and other materials to to bring that right. to life as well as any company that allows us we we share um hey for company x we created uh this chatbot for example or this mm. this knowledge base was created by us for example and uh, coming to tools a couple of follow-up questions there how do you keep up like Given in this space of, uh, in the age of AI, we're living in a crazy world where every single day you see a different tool popping up with a different value prop. Uh, do you have like a certain process that you try a tool, experience it, try the use cases and imagine that, okay, this will be a great fit for future clients and whatnot? Yeah, I mean... It is, it's all about talking to people and understanding the industry. Uh, I'm a tools mm-hmm. geek. I have always loved technology. I've always loved looking at what's new in the market. Um, right. uh, I am a, an advisor to a, an AI uh, support operations insights tool called the loops. Um, mm. But I, and, and then in my freelance work, I have met tools uh, across the, the space and the ecosystem that I have uh, some relationship with and have built content for. So I, I'm in a very lucky position there. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's been you know, very fortuitous for some of the work I've done in my career. Um, I I think that the big thing right now, and there are there are tools popping up every day of the week. Um, the one thing, the, the things that I look for in a tool are 
do they have a clear use case they solve? Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to a website uh, and the first thing I see is, well, we're going to improve your CSET by 20%. Well, you know what? Right. Every tool in the CX space claims to do that, right? right. Like, that's not a value prop to me anymore. That is just the basics of what a tool in the CX right. industry should do. Right. Um, tell me what you do to improve CX. Do you, uh, do you do workflow automation? Do you make my, my agents more productive? Hmm. Do you categorize tickets in a way that I can understand better uh, cost per contact per cost per ticket per category and, mm-hmm. and be able to optimize for that? Mm-hmm. Do you provide analytics and insights a- into how the product is behaving? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it is. I mean, the, the, you know, some of the, the, the tools that I love right now are tools that solve one or two very specific use cases perfectly, as mm-hmm. opposed to tools that are much more generic that just say, well, we'll, we'll use AI to try to do 20 different things for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always look for what use cases are you trying to solve? That's number one. And then number two, I'm always cautious of implementation, especially with AI tools. When mm-hmm. I hear some, some sales pitches that say, oh, it's out of the box. You know, you, you feed in your knowledge base and we do all the rest uh, mm-hmm. or the system does all the rest. No, that's not how AI works, right? I mean, it's mm. I I get that you can make it easier, right? Your interface can make it easier and more useful to um to the end mm-hmm. to the end user, but I I would argue there's no tool I have seen that is truly just out of the box. It's it it's just we're not quite there with AI tools yet to be able to do that. So, mm. um, and then I think the third thing that I always look for when I'm having these conversations is, is what is, what is the backing technology look like? Like, are you, are you a thin like layer on top of uh, chat GPT? Are you just basically taking my data, throwing to chat GPT and get, you know, what they give back? Or have you invested time in um, something that's important to me? Um, One of partner heroes partners is Sienna, uh, which is a a chatbot, a conversational AI tool and they have fo- focused a lot on tone and brand voice and mm. being able to um, <clears throat> tweak the way your bot talks to you as an individual. Um, and you can do it by, by every different brand, by product, by country, even you can, you can separate it out such that, wow. you know, customers that are, you know, uh, maybe VIP status gets a diff- slightly different experience, for example, or whatever it is. But you can mm. really put a lot of focus on that. And that's cool to me, right? That mm. as, a, as a support professional, that's really interesting to how you can automatically, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian. And so we use a lot of extra use in our language versus the, the Americas, uh, the Americans. And, and so, you know, talk to me in my own language, right? It's, it's, it's more comfortable for me. And something right. as small as that improves or changes customer experience, even if it's very subtle mm. like that. So, um, that that's something that's interesting to me, right? Is is mm. tools that have a very strong focus and can explain that focus to you as to what what is the our why am I different than competitor X in the market? Sure. And so those are probably the three things that I look for most when I when I talk to tools. And we've talked to a lot. Um, me yeah. and and one of my colleagues at Partner Hero, we've we've talked to probably fifty tools in the past quarter. Um, wow. uh, to try to understand the market space and and what tools are are the leaders and the ones that we want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I love your article on the 2023 support tech landscape. That was it actually blew my mind. Like uh, it educated me with the tools I never <laughs> knew of. So yeah. uh, big kudos for you to like you know for, Thank you. for yeah, collaborating that, with that. That was a bit of a passion project for me, right? And and uh, um, cause I, I think a lot of people are very used to the MarTech landscape, uh, famous mm. graphic that goes around it every year. And I, yeah. and I think that's been missing in the CX space. In fact, partner hero just launched a free resource called the, um, uh, the, the CX tools database. Uh, anyone mm. could access that from our webpage and it, and it, it's just an, an unbiased presentation of, of all the tools that we're aware of. Um, nice. and, and we will constantly add to it, but the idea is no reviews, no bias, we're not pitching sure. you. We're not trying to sell to you. We just want you to say, this is the type of tool I'm looking for. And here's a set of tools uh, that right. meet that criteria. Love that. Uh, 
you've done many audits, right? With these companies, the clients you worked with uh, at Partner Hero. If you want to boil down to probably three or five things, customer support uh, teams shouldn't miss in their either their workflow or uh, to just deliver like some of the best customer experience to their customers. What would they be yep. like if you can boil yep. down to like three to five pointers? Yeah. Wow. What a, what a great question. I first and foremost support leaders need to watch their agents now and then maybe even just once a quarter, just sit down mm. with an agent and watch them because I'll tell you, I've been on a few audits where I've been on mute and I'm, I am s- slamming my head against the table because it's like, there is wow. so much wasted time here. You see, you see someone copying data between three or four different tools to get one piece of data from each of these tools or, or someone, um, you know, taking a screenshot of, of a piece of data and attaching it to a ticket uh, for for no no reason, like it's not it's not part of any 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 follow on. It's just a screenshot that sits on that ticket, um, or accessing six seven different tools to pr- process a simple refund. Like those things, if you're well, if you watch your agents do that, I, you'll quite quickly realize where the inefficiencies are. And so, um, and even if you don't know how to solve them. Right. And that I think that's the key. Even if you don't know how to solve that inefficiency, knowing that inefficiency exists is important to a leader, because when someone says, well, why is our handle time 10 minutes for a refund? You can you can say, well, it's because we have to access eight tools to do one. Mm. And, 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 and you have a good, clear answer of what that flow looks like. Um, so, number one, watch your agents and just look for those inefficiencies, because I'll tell you. I have seen some some weird, weird inefficiencies. I think number two, um, something that I think support um, often gets wrong is how they how they approach. I'll I'll, st- I'll, I'll rephrase this. They mm. when we think of channels, when we think of how we support customers we almost always draw, dive into phone, chat, email, you know, the, the basics that we're all, all kind of conscious of. The problem is that's not the way we work anymore in some cases. Like e-commerce is a great example or, or any, any app-based tool is, a, is an example. I'll, could you imagine if Uber Eats made you go to their website and fill out a form for a, for an error in uh, in a delivery, mm. instead of having support built into their app, right? Yeah, your entire be... experience with a company is in their app, and then they don't have support in their app. They say email us for support, right? That mm. is a big disconnect for customers, right. and and that's true in many different spaces. Is um, if you're if you are in if you are a SaaS product. And people are, by virtue of how they work with you, they have to log into your your system. And then in order to get support, you have to go out of the system <laughs> to fill out a form or to um, to whatever, to, to, to get support or phone. It's, 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 it's bad. It's a bad jolting experience. Mm. <clears throat> and so that's one thing that I'm a big advocate of is, you know, design the channels how you want. But step back and think about where are your customers when they need support? What is how do they interact with you when they want support? Uh, when they when and then when they need support in, in, in that real time? Because right. um, I think most time that that thought's not there, right? So that's right. number two. I would say is give it some thought on on where you where to support your customers. And maybe number th- three three is maybe related to this. Um. And maybe if it's 2.a or 2.b, um, but in product support is underrated, right? Nine out of 10 times, if you are a product, a SaaS product, you know, the person has hit an error. You know it because the system has thrown an error and, and you control the data, you control the system. It's the nature of how SaaS works. Right. And, and yet you say something is like, please try again. 
Well, when? One second from now, a minute from now, an hour from now, two days from now, that message is absolutely useless, right? Mm. And and this is a really good time to engage with your customers. You have a missed opportunity if you don't do that, right? It's it's if you come up and say, you know, this type of thing was wrong. Um, you know, I actually had this happen to me literally yesterday in a tool I was using. I kept getting an error. Please try again. Something went wrong. Well, what I realized now after, you know, researching and talking to the support team, I was missing a permission. That's what it was. I didn't have a certain permission I needed to complete the task. Number So number one, my, my CX mind went off and said, well, why was I even allowed to click on this button if I don't have a permission to do it? Why was this button right. even presented to me if I don't have permission to use it? But number two, they clearly knew I didn't have that permission because they threw an error. So why not pop it up and say, hey, Craig, your account doesn't have this permission. The, mm. You know, your contact your account administrator, get this permission or whatever it is so that I could then send that and do something. Every error message in a SaaS, in, in any product really, but in a SaaS product should guide the user to something. Um, right. in, in the e-commerce space, um, how many times do they have, you know, like promos or something that it's like, um, you know, you have to add something to your cart to get a discount. Right, and then right. when you don't, you know, it pops up an error or it doesn't give you the discount or whatever, make that smooth, remove the friction, either add it to the cart automatically or pop up and say, hey, you qualify for this, uh, this discount, please add this to your cart or we'll click here to add it automatically or something, but guide the customer. Mm. Um, Domino's Pizza is an interesting one. Uh, if, if people use Domino's, I, at least in Canada, I don't know, in, in elsewhere, yeah, yeah. It's gone they the all... Yeah. They always apply the best discount for you. So if you add three pizzas and they happen to have a discount on Tuesdays for three pizzas, oh. it recognizes it and applies the discount automatically. Amazing right. CX. Removes mm. the friction, saves me money. That's value. That's low friction, high value. Love it. So that's that's maybe 2B or, or 3, depending on how, how we rate these things. <laughs> and then I think the next thing I'll talk about is self-service. You need a self-service strategy. I don't care how big your business is, what comp kind of, you know, everything from an Etsy store to a full-blown e-commerce business to, to, you know, the IBMs of the world have to have a solid, um, uh, solid self-service. And that could be conversational AI, uh, mm -hmm. a supporter mm -hmm. of that. It could be a knowledge base. It could be a lot of things, but it has to be self-service. Um, we are very used to, um, as, as a society now, Googling everything, finding our own <laughs> answers, figuring it out. Um, and so I would say that's one thing that I see a big, big mistake is companies just not embracing uh, knowledge management, not embracing um, bot technology, not embracing self-service period. Um, that's mm -hmm. a big one. Um, those are some of the big ones. I think from our audits, you know, the first one is probably the, the biggest offender, the, the inefficiencies, because they just grow as your business expands. It's natural. It's not a you should be sure. embarrassed by it. In fact, if you don't have these problems, um, you, you know, your business probably isn't expanding rapidly enough, quite honestly. Right. Like every, these processes always become uh, inefficient over time. So I think number one is always the biggest one. But the other ones I've mentioned are really mm. things that they should be considering for sure. Mm. I love I love the way you kind of framed uh, recognizing the problem is is the first important step. Forget about solving it, right? Like forget about you know brainstorming and bringing like you know immediately like jumping into that uh, solution based thinking. Uh, that's important too. But I feel the right start is identifying where things are going wrong. I, I love the the self-awareness bit there, like, you know, your, 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 your team and yourself should be uh, much more aware of, you know, what's not working or taking time, you know, especially yeah. in a world where people expect support instantly, right? Like yeah. we live in an age where, you know, due to internet and the phones and everything, everybody wants instant support, like yeah. right in front of them. So yeah. You're, you're telling well, and, I'll, and just to your point, you mentioned support driven earlier on. Support-driven, uh, there's many different communities like support-driven, but 
they're all great for this. If you don't know the answer mm-hmm. to it, post it in support driven, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and some other leader may not have your exact scenario, but it will at least give you guidance. And I think that's, uh, you know, when I was starting out in my first support leadership job, I would have loved to have a community around mm. me that could just say, um, I uh, say, I, I'm willing to help you. I always say that support is a, an interesting, not customer experience. I'm talking specifically about support now. Mm-hmm. Customer experience is a really interesting f- field because it's a finite set of problems with an infinite number of solutions, right? We all are mm. trying to solve the same problems. We're all trying to help our customers with various channels, with various tools, with it's all the same problems in cross any team, depend, not even, depend regardless of your industry. Um, but there are infinite number of solutions because there's, there's so many nuances in your demographic and your product in, in uh, the criticality of your support. Right. And, and that's the type of thing that, that I think is really interesting about our industry. Hmm. Love that. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit, and I want to ask you about your uh, your diverse experience and your understanding of cultural expectations and business processes. You know, working with like you know thirty plus countries, can you share some of your uh, some of your experiences and how you adapted that approach to cater different cultures? Yeah, I mean, I I was very lucky. Um, I I was able to work in a uh, with a company where um, we were working with verticals uh, across all verticals: healthcare, uh, high tech, fintech, aerospace and defense. Um, and and uh, I was able to travel to these companies, and and over the course of that job, I visited over thirty countries um, and got to meet people in in these industries and. Mm. You know, one thing that I really noticed is just how, well, first thing I noticed is that we, we all are, we're all consumers, we're all people, we all have problems we need to solve, right? And I think that, that that's obvious when you say it, but I think that it's sometimes hard um, for people to, to realize that, you know, someone on the other side of the world has has a similar problem or wants to solve problems, same problems that we do. Um and, and so, but we want it to be solved in slightly different ways. And I think that's mm. the interesting thing. I feel there are countries that are much more formal in how they want things solved. They want things in writing or they want things presented to them um, to make decisions. And then there's other places that are just, you know, more so let's get it done. Let, let, let's just, just do it. You know, like you, you you're the expert, go do it. Um, there's people that, that, respond well to meetings and and want to be very face-to-face and then there's other people that want to be more asynchronous um criticality is important i worked in industries where you know some sort of product outage would cause uh you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost revenue or lost or not mm. lost revenue lost wages etc uh, well i guess it could be revenue too in the e-commerce world um and so you know ad outage was was just unacceptable and, and whereas in other industries, you know, now it was a, an annoyance and something you should apologize for, but you know, no one was going to lose their job or no one was spending too much money, sure. uh, you know, worrying about this. Um, and I think what, what overall I learned was that the keys that every, that are, that are common across all, uh, all regions, all sectors is really about, um, understanding, listing, um, into the problems, never lying. I, I think that the one thing that we sometimes do in support, um, and, and I'm guilty of it just as much as anyone, is we try to either uh, lie by omission. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't say something, or we try to sugarcoat a bad piece of of news. You know, we treat something as a as a uh, you know, hey, we're trying to. We're trying to help you, but in the background, you're like, what I'm saying is is really a bad, bad news, right? Mm. We should we should stop doing that. Uh I think mm. that um honesty, honesty goes a long way, and people respect you for being able to have a difficult conversation, and that trust is built. Um, 
you know, I, I, I get messages from, from, you know, certain vendors of mine that say something like, oh, well, to improve our service, we're going to charge you more money. And it's, mm. no, you're, you're trying to say I'm raising your prices with some nice spin, but let's be honest. You're just raising my prices. Like what, what are you actually going to improve in my life uh, today? Right. And, and people see through it. And, and so, and then there are, and again, like I said, there are some, some cultures where that type of um, obfuscation of the truth is, is just treated as, um, as outright lying or, or deception and, and the trust is broken. Right. So Right. Those are the types of things that I think I learned in, in that journey of my of my life and and uh, along with meeting some incredible people and, and people that, that shaped who I am today. I love that. I love that so much. I think generally honesty applies uh, to everybody who wants to grow. Right. And everybody who wants to build trust, uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, workplace, personal lives, anybody who has a relationship. I think customer experience, customer support is relationship building in my opinion uh you basically talk to a customer maybe for one instance that's fine but in that one instance you have to gain other people's trust and the best way to gain other people's trust is being like you know honest uh and i I think there is another spectrum sometimes people are brutally honest uh which is also like a thing that backfires Right, you basically have to find that middle ground. Don't yeah. like sugarcoat at the same time. Don't uh, be rude or be on your on your customer's face. Empathize with them. Show some human angle. Right, you know, treat yourself in their shoes. I feel it's really important. Just want to bring that up uh, as you talk oh, about honesty. Me. It's a, it's a very good point. You know, I love the way. Uh, you know your experience added that weight to everything that you do uh, could you talk to talk to me a bit more about the techniques that you use for scaling global teams you know you've you've worked with diverse people across like different different countries yeah how do you manage customer experience process when it when it comes to global teams yeah absolutely so i think first and foremost um there are different reasons to expand globally, right? Mm -hmm. There are expanding into other markets, such as, such as an American company wanting to break into Europe. There are hours of coverage. um, And, and uh, you know, for example, a a company that needs to have 24 by seven support, but would would rather not have shift work in in an onshore scenario. Um, There, there are financial considerations, you know, coming from an outsourcing background that that's an obvious, obvious one I'll, I'll call out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's language considerations, right? People, people want to expand globally, not necessarily because they're in Europe, but because they can get French support in Europe. They can get uh, German support in Europe, et cetera, Italian, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there are many reasons to expand globally and you really need to be very conscious of why you're expanding because there are different things to think about when, when you're, when you're, uh, depending on your use case, you know, for example, uh, something that, that we dealt with and dealt with in a previous company was in China, WeChat is a very common tool mm-hmm. used to, to get up business, uh, whereas it's a tool we barely see in America. So if you're going to launch uh, a chat channel, uh, you know, for for your maybe your American team, do you launch the same chat channel in China for your your, your Chinese customers, or do you use their preferred mm-hmm. tool, which is which is WeChat? And those are some interesting considerations you have to think about. Um, and that comes across all tooling. Like, for example, um, does your help desk system translate well? Do your macros need translation? Does your help desk translate? Um, all of those things uh, when there's different languages or, or things involved. Um, one of the ones that is so common in the outsourcing industry is escalation. So if you have a team that's working um, opposite hours to you, so let's say, you know, you staff onshore 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and then and then maybe outsource from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., um, which is, again, a common model. Um, what happens when there's an escalation? You know, mm. is that person in the offshore world stuck or do they have uh, someone on call? Do you have a, a tool like PagerDuty in place to get a hold of someone? You need to start thinking, start thinking about those. So 
you know, when you ask me how, how I, I think about scaling teams, in my experience, it starts with what am I trying to achieve with the scale? Am I, am I, uh, am I purely just trying to cover time? Because that's, that's probably the simplest one to do. Right. And in fact, with that, again, coming from the outsourcing industry, you just basically call someone else and say, can you help me do it? Right. I mean, that's the, the simplest and cheapest way to do it. Right. Uh, but if you're expanding because your customer base is expanding and because um, you want to tackle a new market, then you need to fully understand that market. Uh, you need to understand the tools they use, the way they communicate, um, the, the languages, languages they use, uh, the languages they're, they're accepting. A great example, you know, talk about multicultural. Northern Europe, you know, like uh, Germany, Belgium, Holland into the Scandinavia, very comfortable with English. Very, mm -hmm. very comfortable with English. Mm -hmm. In fact, I always joke that many Germans speak better English than I do. Um, <laughs> Southern Europe, Italy, Spain, some degree France, um, Greece, uh, maybe not Greece. I won't, I won't include Greece. But some of those countries, less accepting of, of English support. Right. And, and that's just culture. And I'm not, I don't fault them for that. But if you're expanding into Europe, you need to know that you need to know that, Hey, I, I can offer maybe not ideally, but I can offer German, uh, German customer support in English, but I can't do that in, in Italy. Mm. Well, that's, that's good to know. Right. And that's good to be something that you should know going in because it changes your mm. budget. It changes where you, where you might hire people, um, mm -hmm. those types of things. Um, so I, I always start with that use case is what, what am I trying to achieve in this region? What are, what is understand that region, that culture? Um, is there tax implications or, or other things around, uh, me hiring remote workers versus in office? Can I outsource it is another question. I often, often have people ask, like, can we outsource to Europe? It's not necessarily an offshore team. It's just we don't have the expertise or the uh, the HR power uh, knowledge to be able to to manage a, a team in in another country. Mm, I love that. So I think, those are where, those are where I would start. Yeah, language is such an important uh, element to think about when it comes to like you know scaling global teams. Uh, I think this tool I found recently called Heygen. Uh, I think it's Heygen if I'm not wrong. It translates uh, to language that you select in 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 real time, so that can be that can be a tool that that is super helpful for for people who can't communicate in certain languages and they want to like you know penetrate into a market instead of making big decisions of outsourcing or hiring, you know these global teams. That so AI is like doing these insane crazy, you know bringing the use cases, solving it, and um, helping, you know, teams achieve uh, without like, spending too many costs. Yeah. AI is going to change this, right? There, I saw a demo years ago of some some um, conceptual software. Uh, I don't know if it actually ever released where the language was irrelevant. The, the agent never knew what language mm. the customer was speaking to them, and it used AI to translate in real time. So... I could be a Swedish support rep that only speaks Swedish. You could be a, right. uh, you know, a, a German who only speaks German and, and we could be talking back and forth and I'm typing in Swedish, you're typing in German and you have no idea that, that you're talking to someone who doesn't speak the same language as you. Right? It's, um, it was a really cool demo. I don't, uh, and, and there, this technology is going to get much more, um, uh, much more prevalent with, with, uh, with the way natural language uh, processors and, and LLMs work. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I definitely want to ask a lot of questions about AI, but one of the things that really caught my attention when I was researching about, you know, you, Craig, is your experience in software engineer. Uh, I want to kind of draw the parallels between software engineering and customer support. So talk to me about how much of your background in, in you know, in software engineering helped in customer like talk to me about the engineering aspect of yeah. viewing customer experience that's a that's a really really good question i don't think i've ever been asked that question before 
I so I have a computer science degree. I'm I I I um uh you know I I was a coder. I, I I used to code quite heavily. I don't do as much anymore. I I dabble here and there with some simple API calls and things because I still understand how they work, but I don't do as much coding as I'd like to, to be honest. I think it's a great skill. I, I started my I started my career um one of my very first jobs ever was teaching computer courses to senior citizens. Um, oh, wow. Back in, back in the, uh, the nineties when the internet was just kind of starting to, you know, people started to hear about it in the news type thing. Right. Um, the, the Canadian government had this idea that if we don't promote the internet, they, they, they recognize it was going to be a valuable tool. If we don't mm. promote the internet, um, you know, it's going to be a big city thing only. Like the, the, the big cities yep. are going to get it and the, and the rural communities aren't. So they, mm-hmm. they gave money to all the rural communities to hire students uh, to, uh, to lead different programs and teach mm-hmm. the community about the internet. And, mm-hmm. and that, and I got the job. I, I was, I was in a very small community. I was basically, I was one of the very few people who had ever even used the internet in, in my community and uh at that time and and yeah and what i realized very early a i love this idea of communication technology i love this i just love that i could i remember my first one of my first coding experiences was when i was nine years old and i was coding in q basic and i remember just being astounded that i could tell a computer to do something and it and it would mm. spit out the right answer and do it for me Right. Um, I was even more astounded that if I made a slight mistake that my eyes didn't detect, like, you know, a spelling mistake or something, the computer didn't care and did it anyway. Right. And, or, or, or errored. Right? right. That was, that was just fascinating to me. I was, I was, in, I was just blown away by this. And, and nowadays it seems, you know, my my five-year-old son, he can work <laughs> my cell phone faster than I can. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so, um, what I really learned from that, and then I taught computer summer camps for for teenagers and I, I various jobs like that, was that I I love this idea of technology and people, right first thing. Um, so I took a computer uh, a software engineering course that was, um, really focused on the whole idea of software lifecycle. So it wasn't purely a coding degree. It included requirements gathering. It included uh, how to test and QA and compile. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It was the breadth of uh, the breadth of software lifecycle. And SDLC. yeah, sorry, it's the it's the SDLC. The, yeah, the, the yeah. Life That's exactly what yeah. it was. Yeah. And and then coincidentally, I had that that uh, that degree had co op and internship opportunities, and I spent most of them in support departments. Um, for, for software companies supporting their customers. And uh, I did one stint in QA and, and completely disliked that because I was there was no people involved in, in QA of software. And uh, and then uh, out of right out of school, I got a job at a company who f- facilitated software development lifecycle. Mm. Um, so not only was that my background, but then the, I was working for a product that that emphasized and helped people build the build software. Sure. And so I spent the next 10, 11 years I worked with that company, you know, doing nothing but exactly what I took in my degree and meeting all these customers in that context, mm. um, in the support department and then, and then eventually into their consultancy department. And what that helped me do is really expand the idea of what is possible, right? I think that, people who don't know enough about, and I'm talking totally about software right now, not necessarily e-commerce or other industries in the SaaS world. Um, it, it gave me this advantage to be like, look at a SaaS product with a bad error message to be like, that's wrong. Like that. I know as a coder that that, that can be fixed or that can be changed. Right. Like that. Mm-hmm. And it was that lens that I started doing a lot of stuff uh, early on in my career with data. Right. It was like I could look at something and say, why is this happening? Like this is happening a lot. We have data to prove it's happening a lot. Should shouldn't the product change to accommodate this problem? Or or could we detect that this thing is likely and and notify the customer in advance? And and that was how it started to evolve this idea of putting data and the product 
to use from a CX standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. I talked a lot back then. This was probably about five, 10 years ago. I talked a lot about the product supportability. Support could support any product. You could hire someone to answer questions about any product. But if you want to have good support, your product has to be supportable in and of itself. It has to have good right. error codes. It has to have um, it has to have good debugs, debugging and logging and, and backing data to be able to research. It has to have nowadays right. you have tools like Pendo that can measure clicks and, and workflows of how users get to where they get to. It has mm-hmm. to have that that's all valuable to support to be able to make intelligent decisions. And now with AI, there's another layer on top of that of what are all the trends and patterns it's finding. So that's the lens that software engineering brought for me to CX. Mm, I love that. I'm so glad that I asked that question because you kind of went back to 90s. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I love that. Uh, Old school. Old school, right? Uh, talk to me about AI. I think the big hot topic everybody's like craving about uh, either craving or they're especially in CX customer support or they're getting feared of like, you know, is it AI going to take my job and you know, all that nonsense. At least to me, I feel like AI is not going to take jobs. The thing AI does is it's going to enhance, make people better, uh, make people productive, efficient and whatnot. But uh I want to understand your uh, perspective on, you know, AI. I think AI is being very hot right now for various reasons, but it's been there for a while. Automating tasks itself is kind of like, you know, in a version of AI, right? Like if you automate certain tasks, it is, you know, basically the system is working for you. So talk to me about automation, your experience, again, going back to the, you know, as a coder, as someone who has depth knowledge of software, uh, how do you how do you view AI's role in you know in customer experience? Yeah, I I mean you actually framed it up um, uh, framed it up perfectly, right? It is AI is not going to take your job. In fact, if your company replaces you with an AI, um, you're probably at the wrong company. Right. It's one of those things that I just don't. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I, I just don't oh, think man, that you should, you should, you should post about that. I love that. <laughs> well, I, I just don't think it's there yet. Like, I think, I think right. AI could take some elements of given jobs and, and it change your job. That's, that's different. But if, if right. literally you're being let go and, and some computer thing is sitting in, in where your desk was, then you're, you're at the wrong company. Company, the companies they're too simple or for you, or or your knowledge is vastly more superior somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. um, I also love what you said about augmenting humans and and making humans you know more productive and better at what they do. I I that's where my belief comes in. Right, my my mm-hmm. my belief is very much that we can and we can take the tasks you do and make them faster, better, uh, less repetitive. Um, and, and that's, that's really what I want to do through my work at partner hero is, is really find those technologies that can do that, um, on mass for, for any client and any, any, uh, any, you know, vertical and use cases. Um, you're right. AI has been around forever. And I think the big change, so, I mean, AI in some form has existed. And, and again, AI is even a misnomer in and of itself, right? I mean, it, we don't have true general AI right Right now, I was at a conference two weeks ago where someone was saying he he's predicting that's not coming for for decades. I oh for sure I would shrink it maybe a little bit, but his his prediction was decades. Um, so we you know really the the, the ones that impacted support were when when kind of machine learning and pattern recognition became a thing. You could keyword match and 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 mm-hmm. you know voice keyword matching came out, and we had IVRs that were voice activated. The big problem with that, and I think the frustration, if you boiled it down to for most part for those things was you you had the customer had to speak your language. Mm. So if you're a company, I, I was on a call once, I was on an IVR system where I, uh, I had a very complex issue with a, with a bank. And I just said, I want to speak to an agent. I, I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, I want to speak to a, a person. I don't understand what you're saying. Right. And it just kept repeating it over. And it's like, okay, how do I get to an individual, right? And it, it turns out, I forget the term they wanted me to use, like a 
associate or something. But it was like mm. I it, they just didn't have they didn't have the right synonyms coded into the lexicon of how people speak, and I had to learn to speak their language. Right. That's gone not entirely away, but mostly away with this the advance of of large language models, right? And and most notably, of course, ChatGPT. Um, or GPT-4, I suppose, is the just technology. ChatGPT is the, the layer on top of it. Um, and I think that that's the big change. And what we're going to see is, is now this adoption of, of bots and technologies that, that don't care what language you speak, what, how, how, what word you use. They can recognize that these words are synonyms and therefore um, understand the intention of, of what you're trying to do. Mm. Um, so that's to me what the place is within um, within support is is finding the places where those things can happen um, to to help customers to help categorize tickets to help uh, resolve tickets to help understand the intentions of tickets and then the furthering of that is being able to connect uh, interfaces together sorry technologies together tech stacks together to do more smart things with it so not only recognizing this is a refund tool right, a refund request or recognizing that it's a refund request of a specific order number going to shopify finding that order pulling it in finding the amount going to stripe and saying you know they used visa to pay for it do you want to credit it back to visa like pulling all of this context in hmm. so you know that's like stage two and then stage three is is when you go into this um uh, into the analytics and insights piece where you now you have all the product usage data, all your survey data, all your all your social media mentions, all your ticket data, all your onboarding call recordings, all your your product order histories, whatever it is, yeah. all lumped together sure. and you can start to go and refine these stuff and figure out exactly why something is not the way you want it to be. I my favorite example of this <clears throat> is um, I saw a demo once of a, of a real, it was a real life scenario. It wasn't mocked up where someone showed me a demo using uh, a tool that was an AI analytics tool and they had noticed a decline in CSAT. Now what happens Ooh. today, if you're a support leader and you notice a decline in CSAT, you might go in dig in some tickets, look at the bad reviews, like very one offy. Oh yeah, this one, I better talk about this. And this tool was good enough that it could say not only was there a decline in CSAT? This decline in CSAT only happened within one specific team on one specific feature. Wow. And what they realized was when the training for that feature came out, that team had a national holiday. <laughs> so they didn't get the training. And so oh. the solution was surgical. Go and right. train this team on this feature. Mm. And that to me is just powerful, right? That yeah. is... That is super powerful because it saves me time as a leader trying to click through and see that pattern manually. Um, depending on your volume, that might even be impossible. Um, and the solution is immediately clear as opposed to the generic, everyone, you know, treat your customers better. You know, it's, it's, um, and so that's the power of AI right there, right? That's the promise that you can, you can fulfill. I think I 100% agree with you. I think in uh, just want to echo what you said, I feel AI is going to do the grunt work that requires humans to spend a lot of time and give us time to make better decisions. Like the thing you said, right? Like if, if, if that, if the tool brings you that report saying that, Hey, this is where the problem exists. And now it's in human capability or in, in our hands that how do we proceed to the next level? If if an AI tool gives you identifies it's a it's a refund order, gives the order number, the amount, and everything, all this agent's job is to like say approve or disapprove, or you know, talk to the people and establish a relationship while the AI works for you, right? So I I think I love that aspect. And in your opinion, the follow up question I have for you is like. What is the shift? When did the shift happen? And do you see the shift happening across the CX industry, support industry, adapting the AI tools? Or how are they being a little cautious about 
uh, even like entertaining these tools in their tech stack? What is your observation? Um, when did the shift happen? I, I think there's always been this desire to, um, I mean, historically it was called ticket deflection or something, right? Mm. I, I don't, I don't think that's the desire anymore. I think the desire is more around personalization and, and, and being able to service again, going back to what I said earlier, service the customers where they are, when they are there. Right. And, and AI can now do that better, better and more easily than ever before. Mm-hmm. It used to be, I mean, even even three years ago, two, three years ago, um, if you wanted to have some sort of AI yourself, you had to develop your own models. You had to train your own oh. AI. There was no no kind of democratized versions of of, of AI yeah. out there. Not, not should say no, but fewer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 20 bucks a month, you, you have access to GPT-4. Right? right. And that like, you can't get much more democratized than that. Right. And, and so the cost of entry is lower. The, the, the ability to, to build something yourself is easier. The announcement just recently from opening eye about this idea of GPTs, which is their marketplace. Sure. Yeah. And that's going to fundamentally change the, the industry. There's going to be companies going bankrupt because the, the, these, these new marketplace apps are their entire business model. Right. And, and mm. so uh, very excited about that. Um, but I think it comes from, going back to your question, I think it comes from this idea we've slowly over the past decade, maybe even longer than that, maybe 15 years, really started focusing on personalization. Netflix recommends movies for you. Uh, Uber Eats, I'll go back to Uber Eats. They recommend uh, where to eat. Um, your Your news is curated by Google News. Your mm-hmm. Facebook shows you the things you want to see. Mm. All of it. We are we are living this world of high personalization on demand. And and you know I've said this before. We're so used to a world, uh, specifically in the social media world, where Facebook uses this to market to us to try to sell us on something. Amazon's algorithms that are constantly trying to tell us what to buy to sell us something. Mm-hmm. Why not use these exact same algorithms to benefit us, to, mm. to personalize our experiences elsewhere, and and that's what's happening right now, right? That's what's mm. the, the the CX side of it is is that we're taking the exact same models that Facebook uses to try to monetize us, to actually provide value to us, um, mm. and that that to me is is exciting. I think that's really exciting because it it's what we want. It's how we want to be treated. Right. Right. You want to, you know, you want to walk into a a restaurant or a hotel or whatever and be greeted by your name. Mm. Right. AI can help facilitate that stuff uh, because they they can do all sorts of things. Right. And and, Mm. um, you want an e-commerce business to recognize it's your birthday and send you a coupon. That's not even AI. That's just good data analytics. But I mean, it's Mm. that's the type of thing you want. Right. You don't want, I, I said this literally just the other day on a, on a, on a webinar I was on. Um, I don't want, I don't have the McDonald's app or the, the, you know, the, the pizza joint app because they don't provide value to me. I don't, I'm not willing to give up my personal information for, for your app. I don't frequent your businesses often enough to get value from your app. That's right. not personalization. I'd rather have a website that can, you know, has all your coupons on it and has coupons relevant to my location because you know where I'm sitting. You know, uh, I, I said earlier about Domino's applying uh, the, the best discount for you at the checkout when you order mm-hmm. online. No account necessary, no nothing, just select three pizzas. Oh, look, it's Tuesday, three pizza deal day. You get one for free. <laughs> Very few other businesses are doing that. They're all saying, well, download the app to get the best de- deal. Well, no, that's not valuable to me, right? That's... Right you're not providing me enough value for me to give up my location at every second of the day because you you're now on my phone, right? That's, mm. there's not a devout, there's not a trade off that's useful to me. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I think what you said is absolutely true. I feel AI uh, is going to make value deliver very fastly, you know, you know, in a, in a, in a rapid way. I think yeah. uh, if, if implemented in the right way, in the right workflows, and I feel uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm bullish on that as well. Uh, what you said uh, in terms of prediction, that's a perfect prediction uh, right there. Uh, Greg, this has been an amazing, amazing, amazing conversation. You know, I had so much fun, learned a ton, uh, you know, be, be it like, you know, your, your viewpoint on culture, uh, you know, of course, the, the predictions you made for, for, you know, CX folks in the AI and, you know, your software engineering thinking that actually helped you become a better CX leader. I love, I love this conversation. And uh, before we close out, any, any, anything that you want to share with our audience? Uh, you know what? I, I always offer this. I, I love to have these conversations. I love to talk about problems in CX. I love to talk about solutions in CX and I would love uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what I've said here or, or discuss a problem you have because um, the more I understand the CX industry, the better I can do my job, the better I can write my content and provide useful content to people. So would love for you to connect with me on LinkedIn um, or uh, if you want to read more of my content at stoss.ca. Um, and if you're interested in any, any of the services I've talked about, obviously partnerhero.com. But thank you. Yeah. I, I hope uh, hope. I, I love I love having these conversations and I hope uh, hope this was useful to your listeners. Absolutely, yeah, for for sure. I think this is one of the best conversations we had in recent times. And for folks listening, thank you for tuning in. We have some amazing amazing CX leaders hopping on the show in the next coming weeks, uh, and I'm stoked to you know make these conversations, bring these conversations to you. So stay tuned for for these uh, episodes to come out. Uh, but that's a wrap for today, and take care. Cheers. Thanks.